Hello and welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week on the pod, our own Megan Rossman and Carly Ibarra went on a ride-along with the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. We're going to hear a little bit about that later. But first, let's get into our question of the week. We asked you, does your family have a secret recipe? And if so, what is the dish? First up, Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. My family has a ton of recipes. I don't know that any of them are secret necessarily, but um, the one that I'm proudest of that I continue to struggle with because it's really hard is my, I have my great grandmother's coconut cream pie recipe, uh, which you guys have tasted to various degrees of success over the Mm -hmm. years. Um, It's really hard. Um, I don't know why there's nothing especially vexing about it, but like making a pie crust from scratch is difficult. And like getting that stuff to the exactly the right temperature so it doesn't burn so it mixes well so it gets the right thickness it's freaking tough <laughs> like this last time I made one um, I had to throw it out because it wasn't thickening it wasn't thickening it wasn't thickening and I went to add just a tiny little bit more cornstarch and I spilled the cornstarch oh. yeah <laughs> and then it was a block a solid chunk it was like uh converted back it was into like a something you would have dumped on someone's head on Nickelodeon in the eighties. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> like, yeah, it was bad. It was it, it like the two years ago when I made a coconut cream pie, just at one point, it was going so badly that from the other room, I hear Brian, my husband, just go, I hear a lot of cussing coming from in there. Do you need help? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not so much that the family recipes are secret, it's that everyone in my family is a way better cook than me, and they're it's hard, it's just difficult. Well, I think it's time that you finally put your recipe together for gack pie. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I will say that coconut cream pie recipe literally dates back to at least the 30s. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of fun to make, but yeah, it's tough. It's really hard. Also wild that your grandmother had, your great grandmother had access to coconut. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Managing Eric Carly Ibarra. Uh, Nathan, I have kind of the opposite problem of you in that nobody in my family can cook. So, um, I don't have, we don't have super secret. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have any secret family recipes that were passed down, but Greg, you've inspired me. I'm going to make one and then I'm not going to tell anybody about it. (laughs) All right. What is this? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, does your family have any uh, secret recipes? Well, I thought we did. Um, I made borscht last night using the recipe that my brother told me was our grandfather's. But then it turns out it's actually from natashaskitchen.com. And it is a great recipe. And it took me hours last night to do it and it yeah my kitchen looks like Jeffrey Dahmer was in there or something it's <laughs> quite grotesque but I assure you it's just beet juice cooking with beets is a good way to make a murder scene yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it is yeah yeah that's funny that, that's a secret every Hollywood director knows is first you make borscht then you make a slasher film yeah yeah no you know, it is funny about I, that I never get sick of it. Like I can, I could eat borscht, I think maybe every day of my life. I make it with beef. So there's, there's a little bit of meaty flavor to mine. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and I hope your, uh, your grandfather, Natasha's kitchen.com is doing well as, you know, 
he's not. <laughs> he's gone. What's, what's funny about that, Megan, is um, I once asked my, my dad makes jelly. He makes really good, or he used to. He can't really do it anymore. Oh, yeah. I've eaten your dad's jelly. Yeah, really good jams and jellies. And one time I asked him, would you teach me how to make jams and jellies like you? He goes, just buy the box of Pect and follow the directions on the back of the box. It's no mystery. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, dad. Yeah. Oh. No, I could have shared my mom's recipe for bread pudding, which was put a piece of milk and toast with some sugar and stick it in the oven. Uh, for years, I hated bread pudding because that's what I thought that it was. That's terrible. <laughs> Lois, no offense, Lois. We love you and we love your, we love Megan. I think she was, I think she was on Prozac at that time. So. <laughs> that sounds like a Prozac dessert. You know what? The easier, the better when you're on Prozac. Yeah. <laughs> Research editor Ben Lucian, does your family have a secret recipe? Well, so every um, every Christmas, there's always, it seems like on my mom's side of the family, a competition among the, the various siblings um, to perfect the family uh, peppernut recipe. Yeah. So I don't know if you're familiar with peppernuts. They're like these little tiny uh, German like spice cookies that are, are made around the holidays. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. They've got a great like little kick to them, a little ginger kick to them. Um, great family tradition. Uh, it seems like so this recipe goes back in the family, but no, it's not like written down. So like all my mom's, my mom and her siblings have all like tried to, tried their best to sort of recreate it, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and uh, it's interesting the various uh, versions and takes they've all had on it. You can, you can taste the difference in all of them. They all taste great, uh, but everyone uses like a little bit different ingredients and the ingredients my mom uses are not the same as like there's recipes online you can check but she uses like some different ingredients that she says are more like what she grew up with. So it's really interesting. Uh, my family is really into uh, pepper nuts. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to, I would, I want to try. I've never had pepper nuts. Yeah. I'd love to uh, yeah. They're, they're really good. Um, I think we might still have some around the house. <laughs> <laughs> like they're about uh, like a, the size of a, like a dime or a nickel. So you can, uh, eat a whole bunch of them really fast if you want. That's, that's great. You know, one of the things that people always discounted about Famous Amos is that with Famous Amos cookies, you literally could just lift the box up and just pour cookies down your throat, which yeah. is how I ended up as big as I am. Uh, <laughs> well, well, uh, the uh, the pepper nuts, yeah, they're about the size of like a, a Reese's puff or something. Oh, gosh. Somehow. And you do yeah. not want to overbake those things or they're like bullets. <laughs> very true eating oh. ginger bbs this is exciting grit uh ben the the coconut cream pie recipe is the same like i called my mom over christmas to ask how to make it and she's or like can you tell me the recipe she's like i don't know i just do it like i don't even have a recipe i just know what to do and i'm like that's not helpful. yeah which is great until it's time to like pass those recipes on yeah so i have like this hastily scrawled thing that my mom just recited from memory so yeah Jeez. totally get it what about you greg uh, family have a vault of recipe vault <laughs> uh no um I, my mom has one but i don't think it's a secret she she got it from like 
somebody, I think in South Carolina when I was a baby, uh, but I've never had anything else like it anywhere. It's a cranberry jello salad. And she uses not canned cranberries, like whole cranberries. And uh, it's got, okay, it's got everything. Cranberries, it's got jello. It's got pecan. pecan. Uh, Celery. There's celery in it. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, Man, celery is such an underrated ingredient. It, it does is. so many things. It is. Celery. Uh, I have decided, though, what the heck, I am going to write up my mom's cranberry jello salad recipe and put it on oklahomatoday.com and uh, let everybody else try it if they'd like. Uh, if you do, please, please take pictures and send it to OKTPod at travelok.com. My mom will be beyond thrilled, mostly because that's her favorite thing at every holiday and nobody else makes it. And so if she knew that there was someplace else she could go to eat it and not have to see her family, she'd be, she'd be, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Sadly, guys, I think our readers are intent on keeping their secret family recipe secret. We only had one reply to our question of the week. No, 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 but it's, it's the best one. Uh, Katie Roberts (laughs) said yes but it's a <laughs> recipe for a spell <laughs> i saw that i oh. saw that and i liked it yes that is awesome <laughs> Ooh, now i'm really curious all right well uh let's hear from uh carly and megan's interview with the oklahoma department of wildlife conservation it's it's illegal poaching for deer yeah and uh weird. you know it starts in in early Je- july Mm-hmm. and and uh, runs through January and historically there's there's always been the the night hunting activities that we've had to deal with uh, and that's really graduated to more of a electronic and technology related poaching now where we've got thermal hunters using thermal scopes and suppressed rifles to uh, to take you know these these deer illegally and uh, we've got way more deer now than what we've had so there's a lot more opportunities for for people to to poach and uh, that's really where we focus this time of year the majority of our uh, our patrol efforts are are on the illegal deer harvest Mm-hmm. here in the southeast and that and it's totally separate the northwest right now they're not focusing on deer harvest illegal deer harvest they're focusing on compliance with pheasant hunting or or quail hunting so it's really unique because as you guys well know Oklahoma has 11 different eco regions uh-huh. and we have so much to offer here in Oklahoma just because we have the sand dunes in the northwest or the Kenton country in the panhandle that house bighorn sheep to McCurtain County has alligators on the south end of this county and we're probably within a mile of a bear somewhere where we're standing yeah. at so uh it's just we have our huge eco regions and such diverse diversity here in oklahoma so depending on what part of the state you're in really it depends on the type of enforcement practices that a warden here in oklahoma will do mm-hmm. so okay I, so, I want to hear more about the crazy things. You yes. Okay. So <laughs> let me, I'll give you one more. So whenever I was a brand new game warden, we had a, we had a problem with uh, some illegal night hunting activity and it was a, it was some illegal poaching that was going on in LaFleur County. And 
we had a, a landowner that had had two or three deer shot out of this pasture a few nights prior and and being the brand new game warden I was I was given the duties of, of basically grabbing our decoy deer and setting it up in a, in a place that might be appropriate for somebody to come through and uh, an illegal night hunt so we found a, a really green pasture and me being the rookie the veteran wardens were like okay take it out there a hundred yards and and we'll tell you when to uh, where to put it and, and what to do with it so we had these deer these these deer decoys that uh, that do a, an outstanding job as far as compliance goes but we put we put glow eyes on these deer to where when people come through and shine the fields then their eyes will glow just like uh, a just uh -huh. like a deer's eyes would glow at night so the warden dropped me off and he said I'm gonna drive down the road turn around and come back and uh, and I'm gonna tell you where to set the deer up where it's gonna look good and uh, so I, I went to the location that he pointed to set the deer's head down and put the antlers on put the glow eyes in and had the deer all set facing the road and then uh, I noticed a vehicle coming well me being young and dumb I was just expecting it to be the warden who dropped me off and so I'm sitting there holding this deer with glow eyes in the middle of a greenfield uh, during November and here comes a vehicle and they begin to shine the the fields and uh, so I'm thinking in my mind still that it's the warden that's shining trying to locate me and he's going to tell me where to place the deer at so I'm sitting here holding the deer and uh, they start shining and they shine me and then I start to realize as they're shining that the warden who dropped me off they weren't pulling a trailer and so I thought to myself and in, in my pea brain little mind I thought you know this is not the guy who dropped me off this might actually be a spotlighter because and it was so I look and I realized that these people were shining me holding a deer with glow eyes and it's a good buck I mean it's a really really good deer mm. and then I realized I probably needed to separate myself from this deer because yeah. you know that's what they're trying to hunt mm -hmm. and so I throw the deer the deer goes in about two pieces I start running towards the road they realize they just they just spotlighted the game warden on a piece of property oh, uh -huh. so they begin to drive off and about the time here comes the warden that had just dropped me off I get on the radio and say I just got spotlighted by the vehicle in front of you so there was a, a short race and a short pursuit and uh, <laughs> ended up arresting the guys they were both convicted felons and uh, they just looked at me when I got up there and and uh, and put cuffs on them they're like you know we didn't really know what was going on when we saw that deer we just saw that it was higher than normal uh -huh. and then he said and then we noticed there was a guy holding it <laughs> and I'm like yeah well you were just at the wrong place at the wrong time and I'm not so for sure I wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time uh -huh. as well but yeah. so yeah it's not too often that you uh, do some illegal night hunting and actually spotlight the game warden holding a decoy deer so mm -hmm. that was definitely not their day it was no. not their day and, and periodically i mean if you do run into a game warden it it's it's so i don't know it, it's uh it's crazy to even see us the majority of the time unless yeah. you're in a in a uh, urban setting because there's so many areas that we cover and and people a lot of times will say well, I've, I've been here I've been coming here for 20 years and hadn't never seen you and I'm like well I've been here 20 years and hadn't never seen you so it's yeah. <laughs> it's rare that you're gonna run into us to begin with but on those rare occasions the stars align 
in our favor and not in their favor. Mm -hmm. So the stars definitely aligned in our favor that night. Mm -hmm. So what were, is, I, I've never heard of spotlighting. Is that a, is that a common thing that, that poachers use? Like what? It is. frogs too, don't they? They spotlight. Well, you can legally, you can legally hunt frogs with the light oh, at night. Oh, can you? Yes, you can either, you can gig them and, and shoot them with the 22. So there's some legal, there's some legal aspects of using a light at night, whether you be frog gigging or you can, you can be uh, in pursuit of uh, fur bears like raccoons. Oh, okay. You can hunt raccoons at night. But yeah, so basically deer, they're, they're normally pretty agile at night. And so they get out into a, an area and they're feeding and you shine a light in their face, they, they kind of freeze. Yeah. For a moment, they're just like, what's going on? What is this? And it typically gives somebody an, an unfair advantage of being able to locate the deer, for one, because they see their eyes, too. They can figure out if it's a buck or a doe. And so if a lot of times, most big bucks, the reason that they're big is because they go nocturnal. Mm -hmm. And uh, they grow big because they're smart. And so it's an unfair advantage to hunt at night because those big nocturnal bucks will only come out and feed after hours. So these guys will come through these these areas, whether it be a clear cut in the southeast or a wheat field in the southwest, and they'll spotlight. And uh, if those deer will stand long enough, then they'll shoot them. They'll shoot them in the neck or they'll shoot them in an area where they typically won't run very far. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, what I've seen over the course of the last 20 plus years as a game warden has gone from, even when people spotlighted and and killed these deer illegal, they were utilizing the meat. Mm -hmm. And now we're gone from the utilization of meat and and not letting anything go to waste to the newer generations. Well, quite frankly, they've never been hungry. They've never had to, to not have food, mm -hmm. you know, on their plate. And uh, this new technology with thermal scopes and night vision and suppressors, I mean, it's a game to them. It's more of a, of a thrill hunt than it is a sustenance hunt. Mm -hmm. And so they're just chopping the heads off and leaving the meat to, to waste. And so that's where we as game wardens are really having to step up our game. And uh, and it's tougher now, I'll just tell you. It's really tough to, to be able to, to pick the field that these that these guys are going to and, uh, and utilizing the technology that they've got because the used to, the days of sitting on top of a mountain and seeing a light working below you and then you're able to kind of you know figure out where that light's working and go to it and catch them they're over mm -hmm. uh, you still have a few people that that spotlight the old-fashioned way with a million candle power q beam but for the most part we've got our our newer younger poachers that are using the technology in their favor mm -hmm. and it's it's super tough so we we really have to to step up our games like i said with with this illegal poaching here in oklahoma mm -hmm. and there's a big uh you know the the antler cells i mean you 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 harvest a 200 inch deer you're you're looking at people paying thousands of dollars oh. for a, a big mature buck mm -hmm. rack so right. i mean the uh just the illegal markets out there are starting to pick up you know we're seeing a lot more market market-based hunting mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. so. whenever you um, encounter somebody who is non-compliant do they typically uh, do they typically want to cooperate with you or do you get a lot of resistance well it's really all in how we make the contact okay. for the most part and we're you know I pride ourselves as, as game wardens and being like we spoke earlier really good and being able to uh, 
to communicate. I mean, you know, we, we initially will treat people like we want to be treated. And 99% of the time, you go into a, a bad scenario and treat people with dignity and respect, then you'll get it in return. Now, there's that 1% that just doesn't care what you're going to do, doesn't care what you're going to say, that we, that we have to deal with. And, and for the most part, that can get hairy at times. But really and truly, you know, particularly in southeast Oklahoma, I, I've, been, uh, I've been blessed with being able to live here but it's a pretty rowdy bunch. But having said that, I can arrest them one day, and if my wife and kids are broke down on the side of the road, as they're getting out of jail and coming home, if they see them there, they're gonna help them change a flat or whatever the case might be. It's, a, it's really a weird weird situation and genre, I guess. It, it's a, They're very, very good people, very proud, and they just love to deer hunt mm -hmm. 365 days a year. <laughs> uh -huh. They don't necessarily, I don't take it personal, they don't take it personal. And as long as we, it's a cat and mouse game. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, as long as we're not taking it 100% personal, uh, then we typically don't have any issues relating to our contacts. Uh, and again, it's just abide by the golden rule. And, and that's true in any type of law enforcement, really in life in general. I mean, you treat people like you want to be treated, with dignity and respect and in turn you're going to get it in return so uh, you know I've been doing this 22 years in probably the roughest county in the state of Oklahoma and uh, been in some hairy situations but at the end of the day 99% of the contacts regardless of how they started ends with a handshake and the next time I see them at a restaurant you know we're gonna speak to one another so yeah. mm -hmm. it uh, and it's a whole lot different. This type of law enforcement is way different than any other in, in the state in that, you know, if a trooper pulls you over for speeding, you just know that you're speeding. Mm -hmm. if, uh, if a deputy pulls you over for, for drinking and driving, you know that you're drinking and driving. When a game warden makes contact with somebody out, out in the field, they're recreating. So, whereas trooper pulls you over, you're not really recreating driving or, or whatever, but when we pull you over, you're in a recreation type scenario. So from the get go, we're messing up your fishing, your hunting, your whatever the case might be. So we have to go into a different mindset in our contacts of, of uh, I don't know, treading lightly starting out. And mm -hmm. we, we realize that, you know, 99% of the time, you might just be ignorant to the law and we're gonna educate you. But, uh, you know, if it goes south, it goes south. But, but having said that, we, we typically have a different mindset in our contacts and, and the way that the way that we deal with our sportsmen mm -hmm. and women. So. Mm -hmm. What are what What do you feel like is the biggest challenge of your job? Oh wow! Really and truly, now it's it's educating the public on what we do because we're what we've noticed here over the last ten or fifteen years is as technology has taken hold and and we're. Families used to get out and camp and hunt and fish for generation upon generation and you'd have all that heritage being passed down from one generation to the other. We're, we're not seeing that. So we're really looking at, at a recruitment standpoint, a uh, retention stand, standpoint, and a reactivation standpoint. Uh, the three R's is what we call it. We're, we're trying to recruit the younger generations to maybe getting off their phones a little bit and being more in the outdoors and, and enjoying what, what Oklahoma has to offer. Mm -hmm. And uh, then reactivating you know, the people who might have stopped and uh, maybe need to start back. And uh, so we're, 
we're really seeing a, a downfall of, of sporting activities. And, and if you look at it and in the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife standpoint and view is we're funded through license sales. So as our sportsmen, uh, as our as our license sales decline, so will everything else from our wildlife management areas not being able to to uh, you know to manage some of the areas or, or hire the biologists or technicians or wardens that is required to have you know be a part of those areas. So as our license sales decrease, then we're going to have to come up with other avenues of of uh, of monies you know and resources to uh, to continue to give. You know Oklahoma, what what we've given given to them for years and years, for over a hundred years. You know we 1909 is when the Department of Wildlife was created, and uh, so way over a hundred years of, of being able to to uh, protect and serve the sportsmen of Oklahoma, and it's uh, it's really really uh, man, it's it, it bothers me to look at the new generations and know that we're not recruiting like we should and. And what we can do to improve that. So that's my biggest deal. It's not necessarily the poaching or or any of that. Those aspects. It's really it's education and it's it's getting people more involved in being outdoors, regardless if they're hunting or fishing or camping or or just being outside reading by a creek. You know, mm -hmm. whatever the case might be. We just want to get them involved in being outside, getting out of that house, putting the phone down. Mm -hmm. You know, detaching from a lot of this technology and. Uh, you know, maybe just pick your phone up to take a picture, and that'd be it. Mm -hmm. You know, just being a part of nature and and realizing that we have we have so much to offer. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. So, um, in order to inspire more people to get out and about, what are some of the areas that, as a hunter yourself, are your favorite? Not your secret spots, but <laughs> some yeah, that where, you, where, so where are you willing to share? No, not the secret spot. You keep that. <laughs> well, and, and really, we have. I can't remember how many wildlife management areas. We've got well, I believe over 100 wildlife management areas spread across the state that people, uh, you know, the sporting public has purchased these areas, either purchase it or, or we, we lease it. And uh, so we have tons of, of areas that are available to the, to the public, not just for hunting and fishing, but just for, just for recreating. And you can go to wildlifedepartment.com and uh, go to our website and we, we have a list of different hunting hunting uh, areas wildlife management areas public PHAs public hunting areas uh, we have a vast array of different eco regions from the Selman Back Cave in Northwest to you know uh, three rivers here in the southeast to Cookson Hills with elk in the northeast you know to uh, southwest with with all the birding that they've got going on down there so um, you can just wildlifedepartment.com we have a great website that basically doesn't just give you the rules and regulations but it gives you the ability to go in and and figure out where you might want to go with pictures and, and directions and it also gives you contact information so you can contact our biologists our our game wardens anybody that you might have uh, you know, if you have questions about any of our areas, we'll be glad to help. That's what we do for a living. I mean, mm -hmm. that's why I carry a phone with me 24-7 is, is because we're here to assist the, the public with finding places to recreate outdoors. So mm -hmm. we have a vast array of places to go. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and 95% of Oklahoma is privately owned. So we're constantly trying to uh, to build our wildlife management areas and, 
and to purchase properties that become available to, to continue to set aside those, those wildlife management areas for future generations to come. Because as we've seen this last several years, leasing has really become a, a, a way of hunting in, in uh, Oklahoma. So we're fighting tooth and nail to try to keep our sporting public, giving them access to areas that they don't have to lease, that with that hunting or fishing license purchase gives them the, the ability to come and, and really access a large portion of area to, to enjoy mm -hmm. and be a part of. Mm -hmm. so. And safety. And Same. safety, yeah. you bet. Uh -huh. yeah. You bet. Absolutely. Well, Lieutenant Polk, thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, I've, I've, I've uh, very much uh, enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. What's that like? like, that sounded like a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Lieutenant Polk was amazing. He had just no end of interesting stories. He took us to beautiful places that we're not allowed to share. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's secret a secret. This is like the, the whole theme of this episode is secrets. I, I we may not even tell people we put the we put this podcast up. Just keep this a secret episode. <laughs> All right, it is time now to once again plumb the depths of TravelOK.com's calendars for our weekly podments, and first up this week is Megan. Well, it is time once again in Claremore for the smashing of the cars. At the Mad Dog Demolition Derby on January 21st, the sounds of screeching metal and screaming crowds will act as a cathartic release for your pent-up disappointments with the year 2022. But it's a new year, and maybe things are finally looking up. Maybe you will get your Amazon card paid off, go on that vacation to Sicily, and finally get the respect you deserve from colleagues at work, like Carly. In the meantime, watch <laughs> the cars go at it. You can do it. Plus, this event is only $20 for adults and $15 for children. That's about the same as you'd pay to go watch some second-rate superhero movie riddled with fake destruction. This destruction is real, and it is waiting for you. For more information, <laughs> visit MotorheadEvents.com. This destruction is real and it's waiting for you. Wow. Put it on her gravestone. Wow. That was one of the best write-ups of all time. Yes. That was Megan really was good. Down. Yeah, that was really oh, good. I well, just, uh, thank you. I can't I, see Carly I was, in the little thing, so I can't I guess I'm inspired by vehicles crashing into each other in an arena for everyone's amusement. Instead of I mean, it sounds like a lot of... I've never actually been to a demolition derby, but they look really fun girl let's go and no i think that, that would be a good time i you know totally. that should that really should be one of my goals in 2023 is to go to a demolition derby you know yeah. stevens will go with you oh yeah and if okay. he's going i'm going okay well yeah let's do it all right <laughs> all right now let's uh hear from the colleague that we all wish would respect us carly <laughs> never <laughs> <laughs> the person whose approval we're all chasing. She's just, very surly. Yeah. She's Never just, gonna she's, get it. She's Never like my dad and my mom, all wrapped up into one. I just want her to. Aww. I just want her to care. <laughs> I don't know how I transition away from that. I don't either. <laughs> so Carly's really very nice. She's a sweetheart. We love her to pieces. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Uh, embracing the great mystery that is life is probably one of the most important things we can do. Why are we here? Who or what created the universe? Why is a raven like a writing desk? We'll probably never have satisfying answers to those questions, so let's make up some fun non-answers. We're here because we aren't there, Linda, and something about spilled ink. <laughs> 
Sense isn't worth much these days anyway, so revel in a healthy heaping of nonsense as Gaslight Theater and Enid presents two weekends of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, January 21st, 22nd, 28th, and 29th. Lewis Carroll's timeless tale of harried white rabbits, judgmental flowers, unbirthday celebrations, and a little girl who just wanted to take a nap in the park won't help anyone along their journey to becoming a more involved person. But if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't much matter which way you go anyway. <laughs> Visit gaslighttheater.org to get your tickets. When I was in the third grade, I was the rabbit in that play. Oh, that's <laughs> Yep, wow. I got to sing that song, I'm Late. Yeah, I'm Late. That movie stresses me out. Really important date. <laughs> I love it. It doesn't make any sense, and that's no. nice. <laughs> uh ben what's your event this week that is a good <laughs> up, and i will tell you um before we had murphy's law we had the great scottish poet robert burns who was there to remind us that and i quote there's no such uncertainty as a sure thing and also the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry sounds like a guy who knew a thing or two about the publishing industry Perhaps there's no such thing as a sure thing, but one thing we can take for certain is that every year in January, the Scottish Burn Supper tradition will be held around the world. The celebratory nights of Scottish food and entertainment go back over 200 years, and locals' best chance to take part in the revelry will be this Saturday when the Scottish Club of Tulsa holds its annual Robert Burns Night at Stony Creek Hotel in Broken Arrow. Come wearing a kilt or formal attire, or possibly even an Ewan McGregor t-shirt if it looks really cool. Uh, expect a night of bagpipes, Scottish dance, traditional Scottish music and verse, lively toasts, and of course, a delectable feast that includes Scottish soups, haggis, and plenty of other classy regional dishes to sample, as well as whiskey, beer, and gin aplenty. This event is perfect for out-of-towners as well, because you can book a room and simply retire to your quarters once the fun is over. The 2023 celebration begins 5 p.m. and if the party's good, should last well after midnight. Tickets are $125 to $135 each, and there is limited seating available in the hotel ballroom, so act fast in reserving your place. For more information, call 855-411-0090 reserve your seats at okscottfest.com. But if it's about all things Scottish, most importantly, will Sheena Easton be there? <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. You have to book your seat. <laughs> oh, man. Nate, what's your event this week? It's a secret. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. All right, fine. Uh, I'm bad at keeping secrets. Look, I'll be honest. When you, when you first sent me the name of this one without context, Greg, I thought, man, if I wanted to want, want to if I wanted to watch a bunch of loons, I'd tune into cable news. Ah, uh, uh, media zinger. All right, but then I did something they never do on cable news. I read past the headline, and I discovered that oh my gosh, yes, I do want to go watch a bunch of loons and eagles, and we can all do so on Saturday, January twenty first when the beautiful Sequoia National Wildlife Refuge near Vianne hosts the Eagle Tour and Loon Watch. On this excursion, visitors will get to see Southern bald eagles in their natural habitat, first via webcam, and then in the real when they take off on a caravan tour in their own vehicle. After a lunch in Vianne, you'll head to Tenkiller State Park, also gorgeous, to spot more bald eagles and some really beautiful loons, the bird kind, not the cable news kind. 
And it's not just one kind of loon. There'll be common loons, if you're into out things that are common, uh, red-throated loons, Pacific loons, and yellow-billed loons. So whatever your personal preference of lunacy, you'll find it. Spotting scopes will be, will be available at some of the stops, but you'll definitely want to bring your own set of binoculars to make sure you get that up-close view of these absolutely crazy birds. For more information, call 918-489-5025. All right. Thank you I, for that. I, that I'm really... I, I, I had fun with that. Yeah, I... I uh, and Carly, you went to the uh, Eagle Watch at Arcadia Lake, right? Um, I went and tried to watch eagles at Arcadia Lake yeah. <laughs> unsuccessfully. Uh, They're a little shy. They're a little, yes. me, I remember me and Lori Duckworth were up at like sunset or sunrise one time at uh, oh, uh, Lake Worcester State Park looking for eagles and it didn't work out. But mm. that's why it's great to go on a guided tour like this because they actually know, they've already found them. Yeah. Like they know exactly where to take you so to make sure that you get to see something. So that's what's cool. Like they have the webcams already set up and you'll see, yeah. you'll see eagles if you go. Yeah. Well, you, for mine, I have got a bone to pick with the people who do the scheduling at the uh, Stevens County Fairgrounds. In mm -hmm. what world is someone going to put the Duncan Monster Truck Wars on a calendar for a Saturday? How am I supposed to say, Sunday, 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 comes the world-famous monster trucks like El Loco Oso, Outlaw, and the Carolina Crusher, compete on the dirt arena. You get the whole seat, but you only need the edge. I was hoping you'd say that. But Saturday, 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 it just doesn't have the same ring. Ah, Tickets range Sorry. from $10 for kids, 12 and under, to $30 for VIPs, which can also be children. Very Children can be very important. Children are very important. I believe the children are future. Yeah. <laughs> Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yes. Yeah. In fact, let them lead this podcast next time. They'll take you uh, to camp for dinner, but let them lead the way. <laughs> call 580. I'm sorry. Call 580-255-3231 for more information. We have a lot of like, I feel like crashing cars is kind of a theme here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Well, that's what you think about in the new year. <laughs> new Year's resolution, crash my car. Well, every, uh, I, like everybody else, on New Year's Day, I eat black-eyed peas, hog jowls, collard greens, and I watch the uh, Oscar award-winning movie Crash. So, you know. No? All right. Oh, no. that sounds so sad. <laughs> Doesn't sound like fun. I like the black-eyed peas part. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the sound of 12,000 pounds of monster trucks demolishing my old 1983 Toyota Celica means this episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast has come to a close. Join us again next week for more of the best that Oklahoma has to offer. In the meantime, head to oklahomatoday.com and pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to OKTPod at TravelOK.com, including any pictures of that cranberry jello salad. I'm not kidding. Seriously. And we will talk again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production held by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye. Secrets. I really do like jello salads, and that's not a secret.